Welcome to the Confident Money Podcast, where we talk money, finances, and accounting for real people without all the technical jargon, patronizing, and gatekeeping. I'm your host, Caitlin Magnuson, and I'm going to be your new finance bestie. Hey, so welcome back. Today, we are going to be keeping this episode extra short and sweet, and it may be something that you're going to hear the title and be like, yeah, I know, I know, but just hang in here and make some notes because this is the foundation of building your entire personal financial journey. So we're going to be talking about income versus expenses today. Much like we do in business, I encourage you to understand your income and expenses. But most importantly, if you are not making sufficient income to cover your expenses, you can take all of the other information from this season and it's not going to work for you in the way that you need it. So the whole point of this is for you to get some clarity and this might feel a little vulnerable. It might feel a lot vulnerable. It might feel like no big deal. And you might, you know, just be like, Kaylin, I do this all the time anyways. Cool. Skim this episode and move on to the next one if that's the case. But if you're here and you don't have the financial reality that you want for yourself, I want to challenge you that maybe it's because you need to be doing some work on your income and expenses instead of focusing on being debt-free and focusing on saving and focusing on retirement and focusing on living your best life and doing all of these other things, but getting real. As Angie Jordan actually said when we were having a session together talking about the season, did you know a lot of my money mindset issues disappeared when I made more money? And it seems so simple, but so many times, to an extent, the fix for scarcity, the fix for not being able to pay debt off, the fix for not having the savings account that you want, for not being able to take the trips that you want, for not being able to have the house that you want, is because you don't have, at the end of the day, enough income to cover your expenses. So what I want you to do, you're going to have a little bit of homework from this episode. I want you to sit down And I want you to look, and this actually dovetails really nicely with our next episode. I want you to sit down and I want you to add up, take like maybe even the last three months, um, take your credit card, take your checking account, whatever you're using in your day-to-day life for expenses, take that. And I want you to take your income and expenses from the last three months and add them up. I don't need you to put them in categories. It does not need to be anything fancy, but a lot of times you can actually export directly from your bank or from your credit card into a CSV. And in that file, which looks like a very simplified Excel or numbers, depending on if you're a Mac user, you can actually just add up the pluses and the minuses, and you can see what you're spending and what you have coming in. And if those numbers are very close to one another and you're not saving, you're not putting into retirement, you're not paying off debt, then you know that your first problem to address is how much money you're making as well as what you're spending. And here's the thing. You're going to hear so many people like Dave Ramsey or other really like hardcore budget people go, oh my God, you need to cut your expenses. And the, you know, infamous quote of, You shouldn't be in a restaurant if you're paying debt off. Like, hello, first of all, we've been living through a global pandemic. Second of all, I'm a very big fan that life is worth living and we need to make it worth living. If you have debt, that's fine. Debt will be paid off. Let's make a plan for it, but let's also plan for life in between. 
um, the worst thing would be if you were living this really, really frugal life with the purpose of paying debt off. And then you got to the point that your debt was paid off and heaven forbid something had happened to you or a loved one. And you had all of those years that you hadn't been able to actually live your life because you were waiting for that credit card to be paid off, for that car to be paid off, for that home to be paid off. So work in where you can be spending some money and where you can be taking care of yourself. And we're going to talk about that in a few more episodes, some different ways that you can count for, account for that in there. But what I want you to understand is you can only cut your expenses so much. If you go through and you add up the last three months and you look at it and then, then I challenge you if you don't have the income to expenses that you'd like to see, or maybe you're negative each month, maybe that you're still racking up some credit card debt. Um, and that happens, you know, we, you go through a divorce, you get laid off. Like I'm not vilifying credit card debt. I've been there, done that. And credit cards serve a great purpose when needed. They're a lifeline for a lot of people. But what I want you to do is I want you to understand that you can only cut your expenses so much before you run out of room to cut. So cool. Let's just say that you don't have the income and expense difference that you'd want to see over that three month time frame. Go through, look at your expenses that are on that report. Do you see any subscriptions that you're not using? I'm a really big fan. I do this in my business and I encourage business owners to do it as well as for you to do it personally. But every three months, like look at your subscriptions. Are you, you know, using that audible subscription? Are you really watching HBO and Netflix? In our house, we have HBO, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, um, those are all important for us because we don't have cable. And in the wintertime, especially, those are something that we use. So we keep them. Um, things that I've canceled in the past would be meal subscription services. Those serve a purpose during tax season for me when things are really busy and we're prioritizing wellness or we're coming back from a trip and know that we want some food on hand. The rest of the time, I could really care less. We don't need them. So I cut those out. Um, anything else that pops up? I think we all do this. At least I do, but you do a trial of a free program, right? And you're like, Oh, cool. It's 30 days. Like I'll remember to cancel it. And then it's two or seven or $9 and you get six months down the road and you've paid $60 of just random things. Well, do that times four or five subscriptions. And you have a couple hundred dollars there that could have been saved, but don't cut things that you get really pure enjoyment from. Uh, my sister, for example, takes aerial classes. She does aerial silks and I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. I think it's aerial singular and she does trapeze and some other things. She is a grad student. She's a teacher. She's not super high income and she's a business owner. That is her big spend. That is what she focuses on because that brings her so much joy and happiness in her life. And so that's a non-negotiable for her. I would never encourage her from a pleasure standpoint to cut those things out. However, if you looked at the numbers, it's not the cheapest thing. So if you like, if you go to the gym and that is your thing, if you love to go to the spa, don't cut out these things that are really crucial for you. If it's going to negatively impact your quality of life, significantly. And instead, what I encourage you to do is a two-pronged approach. So we've gone through and we've identified expenses that are meaningless to us at this point, right? The things that you forgot about, the things that you're like, I'm not using that. I finally canceled my Adobe subscriptions, totally totaling $80, by the way, per month, um, after six months of not using them because I signed up for a free trial and the whole neurodivergent executive function process of getting through the cancellation and finding where to go about killed me. I finally got it done. 
Hey, if you're enjoying the show, make sure you subscribe and join our community at confidentmoneypodcast.com where we share resources and all of the money happenings. Plus, you can send feedback and suggestions for what you'd like to see covered in future episodes. That's confidentmoneypodcast.com. Okay, back to the show. which is why I like to do it every three months and I batch all of them together. So I just pick a day and that's my day to cancel anything that I need to cancel, update insurances, et cetera. So we've nailed our expenses down. What I want to encourage you to do now is to look at your income. This is one of the easiest places for you to grow that difference between your income and your expenses. Because again, You can only reduce expenses so much. Your rent's still going to be relatively close to what it is or your mortgage or your car payment or your insurance. You're not normally going to find huge changes there without dramatic changes in your quality of life or moving or having a roommate situation. And that does not work for all of us. So if that's your jam, go for it. But picking up a side hustle, changing careers, asking or negotiating for a raise, All of these are ways that you can increase your income. And I would guarantee that the majority of us could probably make an extra $500 to $1,000 a month in less than five hours a week if we picked something that we are both talented and passionate about. Um, That's actually how I got gotten started with bookkeeping is I had done it in college. I'd really liked it. And then I went into the workforce. I hopped around and I was doing it as a side job because to be honest, I was making $27,000 a year. And this was less than 10 years ago. And it wasn't enough shocker to pay my bills. So while I was getting a little bit of time there and getting, you know, everything figured out, I started my business and it was really easy for me to make an extra 500, 800, a thousand, $1,500 a month. And that was able to help dig me out of credit card debt from my divorce. So again, two pronged approach, decrease your expenses where you can, where it makes sense, but look at where you can increase your income. Can you rent a room out depending on what your living situation is? I did this. I rented a room out part-time to someone. I lived in a two bed, one bath house. I hated every minute of it, but it was an extra $325 a month. It made me have the wiggle room that I needed per month to be able to get a divorce at the time. And that was really important to me for my mental health, for my well-being, for my future. And having that, that little tiny bit, because I was so, so tight on my income and expenses every month. My mortgage was a thousand dollars. So let's do the math. I'm making $27,000 a year. My mortgage is a thousand dollars a month for a two bed, one bath. I have a side hustle and I have a roommate. So it was everything that I could do at that point to dig myself out. In the meantime, I was applying for new jobs and I ended up going from a, from the $27,000 a year job to making $48,000 a year. And then a year, not even a year and a half later, I went to a job making $60,000. And then when I left corporate less than six years after that, I was making just shy of six figures. And I've talked about this before, and I'm sure I will continue to talk about it. But while you are in a nine to five or while you are working for someone else, and I'm still a really big proponent of this, Job hopping is one of the best things that you can do for your career, for your experience, and for your earning potential. Because you are always, you always hold the most power, I think, in negotiating 
right before you get hired somewhere. And I experienced that at the last job that I went into that I left, God, it was four or five years ago, um, that I started there. I didn't need the job. It was a slight pay increase over where I was. It came with some added flexibility. I was already working primarily remotely, but it was an industry that dealt with work comp, which, and a lot more payroll, which I really wanted more experience in. And I leveraged my corporate career for that specifically to get additional experience because that helps me in what we do now in, in our business, you know, payroll, work comp, business registration, sales tax. I have worked jobs in all of those. And because I didn't need this job, because I had something that was already making relatively close, I came in in the strongest negotiating position. They were not willing to negotiate on pay. They said that what they were offering me was the most they were willing to go for. So I negotiated being fully remote. I was the only employee that was fully remote at the time. I negotiated an additional week of PTO to be available immediately because I had a friend's was I had a friend's engagement secret secret engagement that she didn't know about coming up just a few months after and I basically laid out that it would be on my terms so I told them you know I'll come in I'll do the training that I need for the first couple of weeks and then I'm out except for one meeting a week where I will be in and they accepted all of it and so I worked there for three years and it was a fantastic, like I traveled all over the world um, while working. I had a fantastic manager who allowed me to, as long as everything got done and I answered my phone and I kept relatively standard hours, I could be anywhere in the world. I worked in Iceland. I worked in Spain. I worked in Colombia and I worked in Mexico. And that was really important to me at the time. I made really good money. I had a ton of flexibility and I had a lot of autonomy. So I want to encourage everyone here that is, and it allowed me to run my business as well. Like just side note, you can also look if you are interested in having a business and you don't have one now or having a side hustle, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. You don't have to quit your job today to go full-time in your business. You can, if that's what you need to do, if you have the financial bandwidth, if you were in a toxic environment, but you can also look at doing something that will bridge the gap. Maybe you don't need a full-time job while you're doing that. Maybe you need something part-time. Maybe you need something with benefits. You can utilize a job to help further your goals. You don't have to be looking at a job as something that you need to be loyal to for the next 30 years. I don't look at it that way. I don't expect my employees to look at it that way. My plan to have them working with the freelance CFO is to have them here for the time frame that it serves them and it serves us. And the goal is to have left both the company and the employee in a better position than when they started. If we've all improved from having that, you know, working relationship together, like that's, that's really the goal. I don't expect any of my employees to be here 30 years from now. If they are great, if we've grown, if it's worked for them, if we're able to promote like I plan and have the benefits and the culture and everything that's important to me, I would love that, but I don't hold them to that. I'm not going to feel betrayed. And I want to encourage you that the majority of your employers probably feel a lot more ruthless than that. I was one of the favorite employees. And I was let go with two days notice during the pandemic because it came down to financials. You need to be equally ruthless in the pursuit of your income for yourself. And I know that was a little bit of a tangent. I ranted just a smidge, but I am really passionate about you utilizing your skill sets, your reviews, 
your pay and leveraging that. I change jobs every six to 18 months for almost six years. I think in the time, God, David and I have been together for a decade. Keeping in mind the last job that I had, I was at for three years. I think I had six or seven jobs in that time, in that decade. And I went from 27,000 a year to just shy of six figures in corporate pay. No changing in education. Yes, I had more experience. Yes, I had more confidence. Yes, I got better at negotiating and I got better at asking for what I wanted and for communicating what were non-negotiables for me. And that ability to state what I needed without it making, without me making a story behind it. You know, I'm not, oh, I I need this for this, this, this. No, this is what my non-negotiable is. This is what I'm willing to accept. And then having some backups for that. For me, having the top tier pay, I had a slight pay increase when I jumped, but I had more flexibility and I had more benefits. And that's what I valued at the time. That's what I wanted. And I was almost fully remote. So picking what you need, maybe right now it's more income. Maybe it's more income and more flexibility, but getting really crystal clear on that. And then looking at your income and expenses to make sure that you are making more than you're spending. And then on our next episode, we're going to talk about what I call the anti-budget because I, especially being a neurodiverse person, am very much anti-rules, anti-budgets. I want to automate and simplify and make things as foolproof as possible. The less I have to be involved in them and the more I can have it working for me, in my money, in my banking, in my bill pay, the better off I am. And a big part of that is laying the groundwork in this episode to make sure that you are making more than you are spending. And again, look back over a three-month time frame, see where you're at, and use that to make your plan for the next step. Do you need to be looking for something that makes more money? Are you great where you're at right now? Or does something need to change? And if so, what needs to change? Is it money? Is it flexibility? Is it time? Is it your mental health? Do you need, you know, something different? Maybe that's making the same money, but where you're working fewer hours. Again, make sure if you love this podcast, this episode, or any of the other episodes that you leave a five-star review, we are drawing someone at the end of each month technically the beginning of the next month, but anyone that's left a five-star review with their Instagram handle, we're doing a drawing to pick them for a free one-on-one. I am not offering one-on-ones to anyone other than my VIP or CFO clients at this point. So this is the only way to get this with me. You get a 30 minute call and we pick one person per month and we can chat through anything that's going on, personal, business, you name it. So make sure you like, you share, you subscribe, listen to this, you know, share it with your friends, please, because it all helps spread the message. If you loved this episode, make sure to leave a five-star review for a chance to win a free financial strategy session with yours truly, Caitlin Magnuson. We do the drawing the first week of every month and to be eligible, you'll want to leave a five-star review and include your IG handle so we can contact the winner. I'll see you next time where we'll chat real finances for real people.